Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me Anne Hughes. In this episode 103, I was delighted to be joined by Robin Moffat. If you're listening to these podcasts in real time, then this is the first podcast of 2022. And it was really important to me to invite Robin onto the podcast as she discusses transgender identities. Robin is the first trans woman that has been on the podcast sharing what she knows for sure and it was quite the fascinating conversation. Right from the very outset, Robin is talking about how being a woman isn't easy and how she sees that in her experience and her life as she has went on her journey. There is so much wisdom in this, so much to think about. It was an important conversation and I'm really delighted that Robin joined me on the podcast and we were able to bring it and share it with you. Robin, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, and thank you also for joining me from Lanzarote. You're on your holidays, so I'm very excited for you. (laughs) It is um, a bit of a last-minute whirlwind trip, but it's lovely to escape from the Glaswegian weather. Just get a little bit of sunshine, so really enjoying. Great. Tell us a bit about you, Robin. So, my name's Robin. I am a 30-year-old trans woman and drag artist who is originally from and still based in Glasgow. I have studied at Glasgow University. I speak German. And basically, those are the most interesting things about me, which really seems like I'm underselling myself, but I guess I'm a little bit interesting. Uh Of course you are. Of course you are. And we know each other because we've done a a crazy TV show once, but we never met. We never met, but we were both on the same show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How could I even forget my little stint on TV? Yes. That's definitely one of my accolades as well. It is. It is. So... I'm excited to know this because you are the first trans woman that we've had on the podcast and I'm really pleased that you've you've joined me for the first podcast of 2022. So tell me, Robin, what do you know for sure? So the things that I know for sure are that being a woman in 21st century, not just Britain, but in the 21st century world, still is not as easy as it should be. Mm. And it has been a really, it's been a very enlightening experience to see the world and not just see the world through women's eyes because I say that as a trans woman I feel that I have always been a woman even Mm -hmm. if the world or even myself didn't recognize that yeah one of the things that I have found really interesting and very challenging to deal with is how society's perception of you really influences the way that people treat you when I was seen as a boy the world looked up to me for being someone who is very opinionated I could speak out I could say I think this I have strong opinions about this subject and people would quite often celebrate me for that nowadays even friends and family people who have previously respected me for my outspoken nature now seem to think that I am confrontational and argumentative and there's a lot more negative connotations that come along with my, I guess, brazen nature. And it's been something I found really interesting is the way that even though I only see myself in more positive lights now that I've begun my transition because whilst I've started my transition publicly about two years ago, mm-hmm. but I this has been something I've been sort of working through myself for much longer than that. And For me, this is just the final step. This is the culmination of everything that I've worked through personally. 
this is me coming out to the world and saying this is actually who I really am mm-hmm. this is the me that I am the most comfortable with this is how I feel the most authentic and that just feels like a lightening experience for me it's something where I can just get things off of my chest I can say this is who I really am I don't need to lie about anything anymore but the stigma that comes with that in society of being a woman and of being a trans woman has been so it's been so bizarre to experience and it whilst the experiences of trans women and cis women women who are not trans but can be quite different I think there is a very unifying experience of not always being listened to or not always being given the respect that you deserve no matter what your credentials are I am so fascinated that that's what you've came to share because isn't that interesting because I've always just been a mouthy woman right quite (laughs) honestly so I've always like some people like that I'm outspoken obviously and I found a lot of them on my path through life but a lot of people can't stand that I'm so opinionated and outspoken and that I've got a view on everything and I just accept they're not my people or they just have to listen to me because of where I am and you're going to have to just listen to me and I'm fine with it but isn't that interesting for you to see that even in people that you knew when you appeared to the outside world to be a man and now that you that has been that is fascinating is that something you think that you share with other trans women have you ever spoke to other trans women about this i think a lot of trans women feel sort of similar experiences and i think it's not even just for trans women but it's a sort of universal experience my partner he's also trans and his experience as a trans man has been that he's now taken seriously people now give his opinion more respect than the did when they saw him as a woman and it's it's quite a universal experience I think and I I can't really speak to other cultures but at least in English-speaking Western culture I think it's very normal for us to downplay a woman's success and want to see women as quiet and unassuming and I think in Scotland I think it's actually quite common for that to that sort of trope or stereotype to be um, pushed back against. I think there's a lot of women in Scotland who are quite outspoken and I think it's something that our society probably celebrates a little bit more than a mm-hmm. lot of other societies. But in spite of that, it's still I think it is still quite a common experience that a woman can never be as outspoken as a man without getting a lot more controversy around her because of it. Uh-huh. That is that is really fascinating. I take it that there's no part of that that you wouldn't still go through. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Transition has been very difficult because there's a lot of, for me, like, for example, with my voice, I know that my day job is working in a call centre. And when I talk to customers, they think they're talking to a guy because they hear a deeper voice. There's so many assumptions and expectations that being trans makes it quite difficult to match up to because there's so many ways in which people will see that I'm six foot tall or they'll hear my voice and they'll think that's a man and it's all these little things that can be really difficult to push against and just still be comfortable with who you are but in spite of all of that I've never felt more comfortable in my own body I've never felt more comfortable being myself I used to do a lot of I used to use drugs and things like that to medicate against the really negative feelings that I had about myself and going through therapy and realising that was an unhealthy coping mechanism and I was just using it to hide away from the fact that I was actually trans 
and that I actually had a lot of soul searching to do within myself. Once I had taken the time to work on that, I realized that actually I'm a lot more comfortable. I don't need to do drugs or drink as much. I don't need to be out partying all the time. I don't need to constantly try and find affirmation from chemicals or from other people because I now actually find that in myself, which is a really affirming experience. And therefore, even when I have to deal with negativity or stares or just transphobia, sexism, rudeness from people, it's all stuff that I'm willing to take on the chin because I shouldn't have to deal with it. But I know that pretty much every other woman out there is experiencing similar things mm-hmm. is unfortunately a unifying aspect that we all have. And for better or for worse, hopefully it's something that whilst we can all come together on, it's also something we can fight against. And it's something that in time, hopefully the next generations have to deal with it less and eventually it will be a thing of the past. Yeah. And obviously, <laughs> and I know you've spoken about it there and I follow you on social media. So I know mm-hmm. that you quite strongly would stand up for trans women but also rally against those who speak against trans women do you feel as if that is sort of a a battle I don't know if battle is the right word but is is this just something that you have to do do you think this will always be your life that you are always having to stand up for the rights of trans women or do you feel confident that we'll get to a time where that won't be the case Oh, I would love that to be the case. However, I think it might be the former. I think this is always going to be something that I am fighting against. And I am the sort of person, I've I've never been one to sit back and hold my tongue when I think that things are not right. And it's, it is, it's a lot easier for me to fight this battle because it directly affects me and the people around me because there are plenty of other trans women, trans men, non-binary people. There are so many people in my life who this affects as well. And sometimes I find it easier to take something on the chin when it's just me that's having to deal with it. Sometimes I can just go, I'll just leave that. Is it really worth the fight? But when people come for or attack the people that I care about, when my friends and my family are under threat, that's when I I can't hold my tongue and I have to speak out against it. And I know that I have the capacity, less so to argue directly with transphobes or um, people, anyone who seems to think that trans, it's always trans women. We're always held up as a threat to womanhood, which I think is a, a really strange argument, but that's always the way that we're looked at and it's a really difficult thing to try and combat and try and have a conversation with someone who wants to espouse that viewpoint. Therefore, I would rather be a rallying point for people who suffer from transphobia. I would rather be someone who other trans women can look to for, this is someone who is outspoken, this is someone who has my back, this is someone who can be affirming for me. That's, That's what I would rather do, is create... I guess, safe spaces for other people who are like me to be more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And as we spoke about at the start, and I I totally support trans women as part of being part of the community of women, which is my very favourite community to be in, I'll be really honest with you. I said to you when... I had messaged you about coming on the podcast a few times and um, as I said when we first were speaking tonight that I said to my daughter, I don't want, would it be okay to say to Robin, 
I would love a trans woman to be on my podcast because I would love trans women to be represented because it's really important to me that all women of all ages, of all sizes, of all class, you know, of, of everything are represented on the podcast, all kinds of women from all places. And But I was worried that I could cause offence by saying that to you because I didn't want to appear tokenistic or anything. And my daughter was who, you know, I've got teenagers, so they keep me right with the world. And and they says, no, I think that'll be fine. And you've obviously told me the way I approached that was fine. But do you ha- think there is that real disjoint where I would never, ever want to cause anybody offence, but sometimes I just don't know what to say? Yeah. And I don't I know where that. to put myself. And therefore, hopefully by part of even this podcast, is that mm-hmm. we can start to like break down that things that I, I would have maybe not said if I didn't have my 18-year-old reassuring me that it was okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing is, I totally get it. I think that the the Black Lives Matter movement that, ha- that really took so much momentum last year, that was a real, I guess, catalyzing moment for me to realise this must be how other people feel about the trans topic. Because for me, I always felt like I want to do more to support people of colour, especially black people. I know that in the UK, it is often an issue that we just choose not to talk about. And there was so much information that became available and, or rather became more available Mm -hmm. during last summer. And I started to realise this is something that I can learn more about. This is something that I can take a bit more time to know how to combat because it shouldn't always be black people's responsibility to deal with racism in the same way it shouldn't always be trans people's responsibility to deal with transphobia but you're completely right there's always a fear of saying the wrong thing and I guess what I would encourage people to try and do is always have the best of intentions sometimes good intentions aren't always enough and sometimes action or knowing the right things to say is important but it's always best for the first step to be made with good intentions. And if you know that you are trying to help and you're willing to listen, if someone tells you that that help may be misplaced or misguided or just poorly worded, if you're willing, I think we as a community, as a society need to learn to be more comfortable with being told when we've made a mistake or when we've done wrong. Mm -hmm. And if we can feel less shame and less discomfort with being told you didn't say that the right way, it then makes it easier to learn and to move on from that rather than get fixated on the mistake. Let's look at it as an opportunity to grow, look at it as an opportunity to develop and hopefully then we don't have the same problem in the future. And And that's kind of what I want to instill. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you referred it back to that Black Life movement because I suppose when that happened, we were all in a very strange place, weren't we? Because we were all in our houses watching it happen. Right. So that was because we were in the pandemic and I read a book called Me and My White Supremacy. And genuinely, before I read that book, I would have swore that I had no way had white supremacy. Oh, my goodness, that book had me in tears many a time. Because by virtue of being a white woman who is educated with free access to healthcare means living in the Western world. That means I am actually at the very top of the pile, doesn't it? And so I think it's interesting that we all just need to therefore sit with our uncomfortableness yeah, around things we don't understand. Definitely. I think that's one thing is I've learned to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable, Mm. being more comfortable with being wrong and sometimes just being more comfortable with 
people seeing me as the villain, regardless of my perspective on things, whether I think that I've done the right thing or if I've made a mistake, sometimes people will not want to or are not able to forgive you for mistakes that you've made. And whether you feel or I feel or anyone has the opinion that that is right or wrong, sometimes it's just about letting go of that, letting go of the discomfort that comes from being uncomfortable, which is such a strange and convoluted sentence, but I hope that makes and sense. And I think it's, as you say, it's been okay with maybe saying something that could offend you, but being willing to say, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to offend you, yeah. help me understand. And so it's also been yeah. okay with saying, sorry, I got that wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Which is why exactly. I would hasten to guess that white middle-class men probably struggle so much with women like me and indeed women like you. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a fair point to say. Uh-huh. It really would be. Uh-huh. And so, but there is that real calling upon us all, if if you're yeah. happy for me to make it, I would say to just understand what it is like to be, to read about it, to understand the shoes that a trans woman is walking in. Because I know I've got two very, very right on teenage girls who educate me so much more than all the books I've ever read, I have to say. And they really make me think so differently about so much. And if I didn't have those young voices in my head helping me understand, then I wouldn't understand nearly as much as I do. And I don't know, and I hope this isn't a flippant point to make, I don't think it is, but did you read and watch The Tales of the City, Armistead Maupin? I have, that is on my list of things to get around to watch, right. but I've not seen it so yet, I'll be I read, So I read those books in the 90s. Uh, I was a student and I worked in a bookshop and I read those books mm-hmm. and loved those books. And then they made a couple of series that I watched. And now Netflix have brought out a sort of a follow-up. So we're years later. And you you know in the first set of the six books at the first set that um, Mrs. Madrigal, which actually spells man and girl, is a trans woman. But Episode six or seven in the new Netflix, which you could watch in isolation, actually tells you her story of her arriving in San Francisco before her transition and everything. And when I watched that, and because this is a character I've loved since I was in my early 20s. See, when I watched that show, oh my goodness, it explained so much to me. All of a sudden, I really, really got it. And so there's that calling on us all, isn't it? To just have a wee bit more humanity and I could actually own I think I'll be really honest I owned the I owned a wee bit of shame for the fact I didn't get it until I watched that I didn't really get it I didn't yeah and that's the thing is even myself like that was an experience that I had I guess a lot younger but I still had that experience of first encountering transness and learning about it and feeling really uncomfortable with it at first and not understanding it and then realizing that actually personally so much of my discomfort came from actually seeing so much of myself in it and not being ready to deal with that and I think that quite often even though I think I don't think and you see this argument used a lot about especially homophobia a lot of people try and make out that everyone who's homophobic is secretly gay and Mm. I think that that can be a bit of a a bit of a useless argument because it try it almost puts the responsibility on homophobia on gay people it's actually all your fault in the same way that not every person who is transphobic or says transphobic things is actually trans themselves. But I think that so many, so often it comes from being a little bit too obsessed with gender norms and gender roles. And I think that is just something that we all learn from society. Yeah. Because when I first started my transition, I had been doing drag for years. And for me, the act of wearing what is 
considered female clothes wasn't anything that was unusual. That, that was something I did quite often for performances. But trying to inhabit that and do that in my day-to-day life and be comfortable with wearing women's clothes, which are actually my clothes, just going to the shop, that was something that I had to get over a little bit of shame around. And I had to think, where is this coming from? How can I stand on stage in front of hundreds of people and be completely confident in myself, but feel uncomfortable going to Tesco? Like, where, mm-hmm. why, why is this happening? And I had to sit and realise that actually I just have so much pent-up shame that I've learned over the years from living in a society that constantly, in very little ways, tries to tell you that breaking those gender norms is a bad thing. And I think the more that we all, whether you are or aren't trans, the more that we all learn to overcome that shame of not being a good enough man or woman, or I guess that responsibility isn't so much on non-binary people, is that such a new identity that's coming into society. I think there's so much shame that comes from anyone who identifies with man or woman as a label because they don't ever feel like they can live up to society's expectations. Mm. And sometimes it's just about going, you know what, society has a lot of expectations to put on me, but I'm just my own person and I can't live up to all that, so I'm not going to try. Exactly. And I'm not going to hold myself accountable for that and I'm not going to blame other people for that either. Mm-hmm. And being more comfortable with that has made it a lot easier for me to accept other people, even when they're different from me. Yeah. And so do you, as we enter 2022, who would believe it, do you feel more confident about the future? Do you feel as if you're in a good trajectory? I think so. I think on a personal level, I feel really confident with where I am at with my transition, where I'm at with my personal and professional life. And I feel that going forward, I hope that that optimism can also expand outwards and encompass the entire trans community and all of us in general. I think that, for example, J.K. Rowling has said a lot of, in my opinion, very questionable things about the trans topic. And it's actually been so affirming to me and has actually made me really emotional in a lot of cases because it's the sort of situation where I would worry that people would say, she's a famous celebrity that I already know, so I'm going to side with her. I've actually seen so many people who otherwise don't normally take the time to speak out actually stop and say, well, actually, I do disagree with what she's saying and I don't think this is right. And that is really affirming to me to see Mm. that people who aren't directly affected by this are still taking the time to stand with people like me. And I don't think that is something that I would have seen about five years ago. So it does give me a lot of hope. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done and I'm not going to pretend to any trans people who are listening that things are going to suddenly be easy, but they will be easier than the generation before us and they will continue to be easier and that's all that I can hope for. Yeah. I, I, I always try and understand where someone's coming from and I think that there's a lot of fear in a lot of the things that she's saying, but it feels like there's an unwillingness to learn because there are are plenty of resources that are available and if someone is as invested in trans people as she evidently is Mm. I would like to think that they would take the time to actually learn the experiences of many different trans people and not just the one or two trans people who are on the right wing of politics who tend to agree with that sort of rhetoric there's the majority of trans people don't agree with what she's saying but Instead of listening to that and reflecting upon that, she just seems to be so eager to discount that. And that just seems to be a lot of hate that's based in fear. And I would like to hope that she can learn to grow and change from that. 
sometimes I worry that I'm maybe being a little bit too optimistic with you know, that. But though, my, one of my favourite teachers, Wayne Dyer, who um, is just, I'm serious, my teacher, he didn't teach me geography or anything. He's just, I've read all his books. I've heard him speak many, many hours of my life spent listening to him. And he would say that everything is a choice between love and fear. Every decision we make is a choice between love and fear. And so yeah. I suppose we all just need to keep choosing love, don't we? I love that as a sentiment, and I think that's completely accurate. I mean, I spent so much of my life running in fear from being trans, but now that I have faced up to it and accepted it, I really do love it about myself. It is difficult to deal with at times, but it is such... It's just that it's made my life so much easier. So I Thank agree you. wholeheartedly. Thank you so much for taking a wee half hour out from Sunny Lanzarote <laughs> to chat with me, Robin. <laughs> Of course, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a lovely conversation. Thank you. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.